SAFM Sports Wrap. Uh, 28 minutes past six on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Hello and welcome to SFM Sports Wrap. I'm Dwayne DeLonka. We're going to be talking sports uh, up till the top of the hour. We're going to be talking all about the uh, magical moments of the uh, Africa Cup of Nations. We're going to be focusing on that, certainly. We're going to be bringing you some details of what's happening uh, in local golf as well. We'll catch up with uh, Lily Stunder in a short while, but we will cross over to Franceville. We'll catch up with uh, legendary journalist Thomas Guanaita and uh, get details of what is happening in Group B. Uh, matches in Franceville today in Group B of the Africa Cup of Nations. Algeria and uh, Tunisia already on the pitch. And later today, the Southern African representatives, of course, Zimbabwe, will go head-to-head against uh, Senegal. That's going to be an intriguing tie between uh, the two, certainly. We'll have a special guest in studio as well I'll introduce as uh, we get to him. But first, let's start off with uh, a little bit of sports news for you. Uh, football, today is 2017. AFCON is already uh, well underway. 27 minutes gone by in Franceville in the North African derby between Algeria and uh, Tunisia. At the moment, it is nil-nil. Nine o'clock tonight, tabletop of Senegal are uh, going to face Zimbabwe in the second match in Group B. It'll be the only pool match, incidentally, to uh, put two African coaches against one another in uh, Aliou Sisse of Senegal and Zimbabwe's Kalisto Pasua. Back home, the matter between former Bafana Bafana coach uh, Sheikh Mashaba and the South African Football Association is set for conciliation in front of the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation and Arbitration on February the 7th. Mashaba reported Safa to the CCMA on what he claims was an unfair dismissal after the Football Association found him guilty of misconduct and subsequently released him of his duties in December last year. Mashaba's intent on getting his job back with a tactician having set his sights on leading the country to the FIFA World Cup in Russia next year. Meanwhile, Mamelodi Sundowns appear to be holding out for more offers for Montpellier-bound Keegan Dolly, if their latest official statement is anything to go by. Montpellier have matched Dolly's buyout clause of 1.7 million euros in their latest offer for the player, triggering his release, and Dolly is set to discuss personal terms and undergo medical with the Liga club. And Sundowns have now issued a statement via their official channels without revealing anything specific, stating Mamelodi Sundowns will engage and cooperate with any club that submits a genuine offer for Keegan Dolly to go and play over seize, the statement reads. Interesting, certainly. Further afield, Arsenal have triggered an option to extend Per Matasaka's contract, despite the uh, centre-back not playing a single game for the club so far this season due to a knee problem. The 32-year-old former German international underwent surgery after picking up the injury in pre-season friendly in July last year. Tennis now, there have already been a few surprises in the early rounds at uh, the year's first Grand Slam, but a major upset earlier at the Australian Open. Tennis correspondent Chris Bowers filed this report from Melbourne Park. This was the day the tournament really opened up, and while it would be wrong to write off Novak Djokovic too soon, his second round defeat, coming just six months after he lost in the third round at Wimbledon, suggests a great man just slipping off the impressive heights he's led us to expect from him. He was clearly not at his best against Denis Istomin, the world number 117 from Uzbekistan, but in the past he's found a way to win matches like this. Today he couldn't, and Istomin came back from being two sets to one down to win in five, and leave Djokovic with his worst start to the season for ten years. The beneficiary are likely to be Milos Raonic, Gael Monfils and the former champion Rafael Nadal who looked very good in beating Marcus Bagdatis in the final match of the day. We also lost the women's number three seat Agnieszka Radvanska. She was overpowered by the Croatian veteran Mijana Lucic-Baroni. Fortunately for South Africa, there was no shock in the men's doubles first round in which Raven Klaassen and Rajiv Ram beat Alexander Buri and Paolo Lorenzi 7-3-7-5 to reach the second round. As for tomorrow, the pick of the matches sees Roger Federer take on Thomas Burdich, a massive clash for a third round match. Chris Bowers for SAFM Sport, Melbourne. 
In goal for three under par 69, saw Nicole Garcia moving to a four-way tie for the lead with compatriot uh, Ashley Buhai, Career Republic's Curry Park and Kiran Mataru off of uh, from England in the South African Women's Masters. Leanne Pace birdied the 18th to finish one shot adrift. Meanwhile, Henrik Stenson shot a flawless 64 to lead after day one of the Abu Dhabi Championship. Uh, he leads Martin Keimer, Oliver Fisher, Kiridak Apibanrat and Mark Warren by two shots. Cricket briefly, Sri Lanka eager to retain some pride after uh, a dismal test series when they started a limited overs section of their tour with the first of three T20 internationals tomorrow. They face an inexperienced South African side in the T20s before the five one-day internationals start. Uh, Sri Lanka captain Angelo Matthews saying he hopes his side can start afresh after a 3-0 series whitewash, which he said was the worst defeat of his captaincy. Meanwhile, India beat England by 15 runs in the second ODI in Katak. Yuvraj Singh and former captain MS Dhoni both made centuries as India posted 381 for six before restricting the visitors to 366 for eight. And staying with cricket, Australia beat Pakistan by seven wickets in the third ODI at the Wacker and Perth. Pakistan posted 263 for seven before the hosts chased down the target with 30 balls remaining. And that's your sports news. SAFM Sports Wrap. SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. It is 27 minutes to 7 on uh, SFM. Let's talk about the uh, golf that I mentioned just a moment ago. The uh, three under par from Nicole Garcia into a four-way tie for the lead then with uh, Ashley Buhai, Kari Park and Kiran uh, Mataru. Uh, we've got golf correspondent Lali Stunder on the line from Rondebosch Golf Course. Uh, Lali, Happy New Year to you. Good to chat to you, but... Uh, I believe I believe the Cape Doctor made an appearance today, so the the wind did it only pick up late, or was the scoring just quite impressive? Uh, I personally think the scoring was very impressive because I was out there trying to hold a little video camera, and it was very very tough. The wind was blowing between thirty five and forty kilometres an hour, um, which around this layout makes it very tricky because it's very tree lined. So accuracy and positioning is, is absolutely key. Ashley Buhai, who teed off this week with Shrixen clubs after Nike pulled their, um, their clubs off the market, um, and she had been playing with that watch since she turned pro at 18, she, she thought she might not uh, have a very good tournament, and she was absolutely delighted to finish in a, in a tie for the lead. As she said following the round, that um, what, what saved her was the positioning in the fairway and then knowing how to use the wind to get near the, the pins. Nicola, uh, Nicole Garcia, who may not be that uh, well-known, competes on the European Tour for the last two years. She's not a very good wing specialist and roped in her boyfriend, Sunshine, to a professional Grand Fiendstrasse cousin to help her and guide her. And she said when he told her on the first hole to aim 50 meters right at the pin, she almost had a heart attack, but she made a very, very good par there. So, yeah, it was very interesting. We've got a very international leaderboard, 70 players in this field, uh, Dwayne, with uh, 25 of them coming from all over Europe. So um, it's very nice to see a bunch of uh, international players there at the top of the leaderboard chasing the South Africans. Yeah, it's it's incredible how how you manage to score when when the Cape Doctor picks up. I've I've played uh, the golf course when it's uh, benign and certainly when the wind is picked up. And I can tell you that I shot 17 shots difference between the two. So you can tell <laughs> you can tell you can tell that I'm from uh, from the high felt and that I don't play in windy conditions. Um, no, I certainly don't, don't don't like that very much. But that said, I mean um, it's the second event of the Sunshine Ladies Tour, uh, Lali. So so how is this event going to be shaping the the chase to the Investor Cup? Well, as you know, the SA Women's Masters was last played in 2008 
And I wish you could have seen Rebecca Hudson's face when she walked in and saw the post as the defending champion <laughs> uh, seven years after she'd last won it. Um, and what will happen with this event is it's going to have quite a big impact on our chase to the Investor Cup for ladies. This event is the richest purse on the tour. It's 500,000 rand prize money, 70,000 to the winner, but also 6,000 points in the chase to the Investor Cup for the winner. Um, so it's going to be quite significant. That is why Leanne Pace is not missing this event. Um, she wants to play a few LPGA Tour events, which means she'll miss a few lo- uh, further down the line. But if she can nail this one on Saturday, she'll have a very good spot uh, to chasing that fourth title. Um, for, the, for the younger players, of course, players like Kim Williams, who made a comeback two weeks ago, uh, broke a title drought of three years, um, another good performance this week will just uh, cement her position at the top of the leaderboard. And, of course, with Kieran uh, Mafaru, she had only 27 putts today, the only flawless round of the day. She's the English lady, and, um, and she came third at the Supersport Ladies Challenge. So, um, you know, very hungry to make that final event and challenge for that million rand jackpot. Uh, the other thing I've got to ask about, Lali, I was, I was actually quite stunned when I saw the uh, the number of amateurs in the field this week. It's a significant number. Yes, when we when we launched the Sunshine Ladies Tour in 2014, um, a very big portion of our discussions around that with sponsors was to provide a platform for the amateurs. If you remember, Dwayne, and, and you were around that time when Ashley and, and Stacey Brachman yeah. won the World Amateur and, uh, and they sort of cut their teeth, they did it here in South Africa on a, on a professional circuit. When players like Nobuhle Lamini, who was a world number three amateur, and Nicole Garcia and Kim Williams turned pro, there was no circuit for them to, mm. to cut their teeth on, so to speak, and they had to go straight from the amateur ranks into the ladies' European tour, and the leap is too big. Uh, we have to give our amateurs a circuit where they can practice, gain experience, play against the pros. I saw a lovely, lovely sight today. I've known the, uh, the Dumas, the Safiwe and Yolanda Dumas since they were 8 and 10 years old and first started playing golf with the South African Golf Development Program. They made their professional debut this year, having played on this tour last year as amateurs. And they are really holding their own. Safiwe played with Ashley and uh, Nobuchle Lamini. Um, and, and Yolanda played with, I think it was Lejeune Leeswaite and one other. And, and they were not intimidated by these pros anymore. They, they looked like they belong. You know, they had a sense of confidence about themselves. And that is why we, on the, on the Sunshine Ladies Tour, reserve spots for the amateurs. And in this event, particularly, the mayor of Cape Town and the city of Cape Town who sponsored the event were very clear that they wanted the Western Province Women's Golf Union to put their development players into this tournament. And we have a really uh, a lot of them playing. Um, I think it's 12 or 13 of them uh, that are playing in this tournament. And it's so cool to see these girls stuffing their stuff, man. It's, it's just wonderful. Yeah, well, certainly it sounds like uh, I think the golf has been phenomenal in itself. The fact that if the Cape Doctors picked up and they're going under par, I am I am <laughs> suitably impressed by this. Uh, yeah, my 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 89 once upon a time 
<laughs> that was. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm I'm staying very quiet because I'm not even going to tell you what I would shoot around here today. <laughs> I, I, I was playing off a four at the time, so so yeah, I, I was really not impressed. But I I, I did beat, <laughs> I did beat Garth Mulroy coming home on a nine. That's it. That's it. That's oh, a well done. That's, that's, well done. That's a story for another day, Lali Stander. That's something much. to keep hold you hold very dear to your heart, right? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. 20 to 7 on SAFM, South Africa's news and information. Let's focus now on the Africa Cup of Nations. The 2017 Africa Cup of Nations is into its uh, 11th match. Group B is uh, its second round of fixtures currently underway. Algeria and Tunisia, 39 minutes gone by. It remains goalless as they edge towards half-time. And I'm delighted to say I've got a legend of Zimbabwean football who uh, also feature in the group here in Bayern, Zimbabwe and Senegal will play later tonight, 9 o'clock tonight. Legend of Zimbabwe and Mamalodi Sundowns football, Isram Nyandoro joins us in studio. Isram, thanks for joining us. Good evening. Good to chat to you. Thank you, Dwayne. Uh, it's always a pleasure, man. Uh, thank you for having me here. And uh, you're going to be featuring on, on SABC One later tonight. You're going to be uh, analyst as well, uh, analysing the Zimbabwean-Senegal game. So, so real opportunity for us to, uh, to chat to you and get some insights uh, from Zimbabwe uh, and from a Zimbabwean perspective. But more than anything else, I would like to know from somebody... I know you played with uh, Kalisto Pasua very, very briefly... I don't know a great deal about him on a personal level. What is he like as a person? What, what does he bring to the coaching role in Zimbabwe? Uh, of course, yes. I did play with him. Um, not so many games. Uh, a very good guy to be around with. Um, I think he helped me a lot because uh, when he was playing on his playing days, he used to play that uh, anchorman role. Mm. He can play as a right back as well. And uh, anyway, in the midfield, I think we played... A few games, um, I think there, there was a tour that we did uh, in Qatar. I think we played three games, uh, so he was more helpful. I think I must give him credit on my success as well because he will talk to you as a, on a brother uh, a, a, a point of view, you know. And, um, yeah, I think he's a very, very good guy to be around with and he's always willing to help. And um, that's why I'm not surprised, uh, Dwayne, to see these boys doing well because... Uh, for me, I think he was a brother. I'm sure he's doing, he's playing that role with his uh, a crop of players. Well, that's, that's an incredible insight into Kalista Pasua, the man who's uh, in charge of Zimbabwe at this Africa Cup of Nations. It's his first Africa Cup of Nations. And uh, while Ezra Myandoro is in studio with us, it's time now to head over to Franceville, where uh, Group B uh, matches are being played today. We've got the legendary reporter, responsible journalist, and uh, all-round good guy who was last year a recipient of the Steve Tretter Lifetime Achievement Award at the SA Sports Awards. I'm delighted to say Thomas Guinaita is on the line. Thomas, uh, thank you very much for joining us all the way from France. Thomas? Hello? Thomas, hello. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, hello, Dwayne. Good to chat to you. I, I take it it's, a, it's a, a little bit of a buzz around with Algeria and Tunisia playing in the background. Absolutely, yes. I am in the stadium and uh, in the grandstand, so I'll just move a little bit outside where it's a little bit quieter. I hope you can hear me now. I can hear you, but I'm hoping that you're going to be able to hear me as well. But just, just give us an idea before anything else. What are the weather conditions like in, uh, in Franceville at the moment? What is, what is it like for the, the players in Group B? Yeah, um, Dwayne, I was inside the stadium about just an hour before kickoff. 
and um, I'm not good at meteorology, but I, I can guarantee you it was over 40 degrees, perhaps probably over and closer to the 50s. I mean, I was sweating like a pig. It's extremely hot inside there. And a uh, little wonder, that, I mean, the, the pace of the game is so slow, and I don't blame the players at all. I was inside there. Dwayne is hot. It is boiling here in Franceville. Well, I'm hoping that the temperature is going to be dropping uh, significantly for the uh, the later game then as the uh, the Warriors and the Lions of Taranga do a little bit of battle. But I, I do want to talk about Southern African representatives Zimbabwe. Of course, we are chatting to Ezra Nandoro in studio uh, with us. But uh, in terms of Zimbabwe, you, you I believe, attended the, the uh, press conferences and some training in the build-up to these games. But Zimbabwe is saying they've worked on finishing problems... Uh, and they've worked them out of their game. But w- what exactly was said from an approach perspective to today's match against Senegal? Well, what, what, what um, the coach Fadisto um, Fasua said was that they, they were a little bit disappointed that they considered two very soft goals. And, uh, and um, not only the defense, they need to rectify their defense just to tighten things up a little bit, but also... They are finishing. He wasn't too happy about their finishing, and he said they will they will definitely work on their finishing. The the beauty about it is that he's satisfied. He's happy that they created quite a lot of chances. And if if they can put away half of the chances that they create, then they they should be able to have Senegal's number. Now, obviously, one of the concerns was the the injury to Knowledge Musona. He only played a handful of minutes in the uh, first game before being substituted off. Was there any talk in the press conference about how they're going to approach the game without Musona? Yeah, Pasua said, uh, look, one of the reasons why he has brought so many strikers was um, um, something like this happening. And, of course, um, few of the coaches here have have the kind of talent, striking talent that Pasua has. I mean, I mean, even without knowledge, you, you can count it and I'm Doro, um, uh, you can count, um, uh, Nyasha Mushepi, Matthew Rusike, you can count Evans Rusike, you can count, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, wow. So, so, so many strikers. Even Kudakwasha Mahashi can play as a striker just behind the main man, and of course, there's Kamapila as well. So, he's got, you know, you know, riches in the strike force, and he can choose anyone. I suspect that it could either be Kasper Malajila, um, who would come in the place of Knowledge Musona, or he could go for Broke and, and pair Nyasha Musekwi and Tendai Ndoro. So, um, he didn't, he didn't just give us a clue who he will be uh, uh, putting up front. He just said that he's got enough firepower um, to, to, to throw against the Senegalese. As much as you're talking about the strike power that Zimbabwe has, though, their opponents tonight, Senegal, have <laughs> some, some very significant strike power of their own. I mean, they've got some of the biggest names in the, uh, the European game at the moment. I think chief among those has got to be Sadio Mane, uh, the Liverpool man. He's been phenomenally scored in the opening game as well. Uh, in terms of Aliou Sisa and his Senegal side, H- how bold have they been on claims of Senegalese success at this event? Um, look, um, I-, I-, I was fortunate to have spoken to Sisa uh, for almost half an hour, and uh, he said he is aware of the term, uh, the tag around their neck that they always promise so much and yet deliver so very little. He's aware of that, but he said it was a mental thing. So he's been working on the, the mentality of the players. And um, at, the end, at the end of the interview, I think the statement that he issued out was that 
We're not scared of anybody. We, in fact, everybody here in Gabon should be very afraid of Senegal. That about tells it all, Dion. Hi, Thomas. Uh, Esrom here. Yes, Esrom, how's it? Hi, Pururu. Hi, Pururu. Mbijana, Mbijana, Pururu. Good one, man. Just a quick one, man. Um, uh-huh. uh, the mood in the camp, or, of course, uh, uh, how are the boys in the camp? Or uh, Did you have a chance to talk to, I think, to Malajila? That's my first question. And uh, secondly, uh-huh. I think um, there is a lot of talk uh, back home in Zim and uh, everyone here, I think also in social media. Why did Ndoro uh, didn't play? Well, well, um, I, I, did, I did speak to Malajila, fortunately. I spoke to him. And um, and uh, we we have also visited their training camp on three occasions already since we arrived here. And one kind of get a sense that Zimbabwe seems to want to prove a point, not only to uh, the rest of the uh, I mean the rest of the southern uh, region, but to the rest of the continent, particularly in their first first ever press conference where an Algerian journalist kind of pointed a question to. Uh, Willard Katanda and said to him, uh, tell us, Captain, who are you and who are the Zimbabwe players? We, we don't seem to know you, you know, nobody of significance is here. And, and, and Willard tells that that was insulting and uh, condescending. And then what he said was, it was, I mean, his answer was very brilliant. He said, oh, you don't know the Zimbabwe team? Well, just wait until the end of the whistle against Algeria. Then by the end of the game, you will know who we are. We are the warriors of Zimbabwe. And, 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 and I think that is, that is what is running through the, the camp right now. They, they kind of feel disappointed that they let it sleep because they had the game in the bag. But unfortunately, whether it was inexperience or a lapse in concentration, they considered that stupid goal. And they, now they, they kind of want to make up for it. You know, they, they are collectively determined to kind of uh, redeem themselves against Senegal in this game. They know the odds are heavily set. That oh, disappointingly, losing uh, Thomas Grenade from Franceville. Hopefully, getting back on the line for uh, a question or two. But there's some, uh, some good comments coming through though from uh, from Zimbabwe, and I think that is one of the overriding features. Is in southern, southern Africa. We're all familiar with the Zimbabwe squad. We're as familiar with Zimbabwe as anything else, and many of them play. Many of the squad play in South Africa, but. From an overall perspective, the North African side seemingly had no respect, and it was something that came through after the game as well. Um, was that Zimbabwe could have won that game? They could have wrapped it up with with less than ten minutes to play, and they were what eight minutes away from producing probably the upset of the the tournament in the uh, in the first round of it. But overall, does Zimbabwe have the quality, possess the quality? Do you feel to get out of this potentially group of death? Yeah, indeed, uh, Dwayne, I think uh, they did well in the, f- uh, in the first game. And uh, to answer your question, yes, of course, they've got the quality. And um, I see them, uh, I think, causing an upset. You know, I said it before that this is not an easy team to play with because the, the, the comments that are coming from the camp, mm. the coach does not talk about going uh, uh, to lane. He's saying we're going to win. That's a positive one. Also, when you, uh, when you hear uh, the captain says, listen, we're not going there to add numbers. 
we are a team that fights for each other, uh, that, that works for each other. They've got like a, a discipline. I remember one of their uh, games qualifier when they played in uh, in Malawi. Hmm. Um, of course, there's some challenge uh, behind the scene. They they, they travelled by bus. They only arrived an hour before the match. They went straight to the game, and then they went on to win. So you mm. could see that these are the boys that are, are willing to die for the country, are willing to die for the badge. So, yeah, I think they've got a lot to prove, and I think they've done it uh, uh, in the first game. But this is the thing. is The, the, the challenges still continue for Zimbabwe in many respects. I mean, their kit only arrived... Uh, I believe they're going to be playing with it today. We do have Thomas Quinaite back on the line. Thomas, uh, the line line seems to be uh, just a little uh, a little less than ideal, but we can hear you loud and clear at least. Just a quick question. Hello, Thomas. Can you hear Dwayne? Hello. Yes, Dwayne. I can hear you, okay. but you're breaking up a little bit. Hope we will be able to get a clear light. Okay. One one final question. Comment uh, uh, comment from you then. Two African coaches against one another in Aliusise and Kaliska Pasua. What does that mean to, to you when, you've, when you consider the European coaching impact in, in Africa Cup of Nations in recent times? I, I, I so personally wish that the two of them could advance to the knockout stage and kind of send a strong message to football federations across the continent that we've got to start believing in our own. Right now, as we, as we see it right now, Tito Musimane, a local boy, is the African coach of the year. Now, it just goes to show you that giving a chance, you know, like our expatriate coaches, I think our coaches can also do well. And if they are not empowered by local federations, who else will empower them? Dwayne, you go to Europe. How many coaches are there that are coaching in Europe? Very few. I mean, I mean from Africa. You can count perhaps Daniel Amokachi and Sunday Olise. Other than that, there's not a single African culture that is, that is employed overseas. Now, why, why do we always... Look, I have nothing against expatriate coaches, but the way we seem to go um, out in our way of recruiting expatriate coaches, I, I think our local coaches also need to be given a chance. And uh, as for Calisto and uh, uh, Aluisite, I honestly hope and pray that the two of them could go on to the knockout stage and how wonderful it would be if Florence Well, again, unfortunately, I think we're going to leave it there with uh, Thomas Quinaita from uh, Franceville. But uh, but in terms of uh, in terms of information, at least giving us uh, a, a fair whack, and it is is the fact that you've got two local coaches. I mean, there are only four African coaches coaching at this Africa Cup of Nations. Only a quarter of the coaches there. But uh, this is the only group match in which uh, two African coaches will be pitted against one another. But on a, on a more global scale, I mean. Senegal are the much more fancied side, and Senegal are the only team in Group B who got a win in the first round. From their perspective, it's quite simply going out, claiming the win, and guaranteeing your place in the next round with, with today's match. Uh, how, how do you feel they're going to be approaching this game? Um, indeed, they're a good side. Uh, Senegal, I think, are, are the one of the favourites in this group. Um, of course, uh, they've got a record to keep. Remember, in their qualifier, they won, like I think they did, 100%. So, six out of six, yeah. Yeah, yeah six out of six, and uh, they won the first game. They want to continue. So um, I was just listening to the coach as well, sister, to say, you know what, we cannot take Zimbabwe lightly because uh, I think uh, everyone was just like talking about Tunisia and Algeria, but the team that is more dangerous is Zimbabwe. So they will want to win this game and, and, and seal it to, to the next round. On the other side as well, Zim, they cannot afford to, to lose. 
They can't. That's that. That is true. They they need to keep they need to keep their hopes alive with their yeah. with the result of, of some sort, even if it is a draw against uh, against uh, uh, Senegal in this match. But in terms of in terms of Senegal's weak points, as much as we focus on their attack, they're a side that concedes a lot of goals in the, the greater scheme of things. They they tend to score more goals than their opponents, but they're not a side that's defensively infallible. Uh, where does Zimbabwe hit them? Uh, of course, with Zim, I think we have spoken about the, the strike force, yes. uh, the powerful strike force, where you have a football of the year uh, in Kama Billiard. Uh, you've got Nyasha Musheku. You can bring any You've got player. to use Musheku's yes. size, I suppose. Yes. You've got to use size and robustness against yeah, the Senegal yeah, team yeah. that's big. You, we've got, everyone is asking about Ndoro, where, where is Ndoro, where is Ndoro? So I think we've got an advantage there in terms of, of, of the attack, but are they going to get the supply? That's the question as well. And uh, I think the weakest point on, on Senegal is their defense. They're, 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 they're a bit slow, especially uh, when it comes to their full backs. I think the left back and also the right back. I saw them playing against Tunisia. I think Tunisia could have scored uh, two or three goals. Uh, could, it yes. could have gone to a, a, in a different direction. But, um, yeah, let's just wait and see. I can't wait for this game, eh? I, I can't wait for it either. I'm, I'm very excited about the prospect of uh, Senegal and Zimbabwe. Uh, Senegal wanting to live up to the favourites tag. Zimbabwe wanting to prove that they are not underdogs in, in, in what many people are calling the group of death. But over, overall, though, when you look at this Africa Cup of Nations, uh, we saw Guinea-Bissau again last night leading Cameroon for the better half of, uh, of the match before losing out late to, uh, to uh, the Indomitable Lions. In terms of overall, what have you made of this Africa Cup of Nations? I mean, has it dealt up quite as much excitement and um, upsets and, and shocks? Or can we, can we expect to see more of it as, as it progresses, do you feel? Uh, I'm sure with, with, with uh, 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 the game, uh, uh, when, we, when we progress, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll have some shocking results. But at the moment, I think... Uh, especially the first game, second games, uh, teams are still uh, busy trying to size each other. When it comes to Guinea, uh, I was just impressed uh, uh, to, 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 to see them, uh, I think, leading Cameroon. I think Cameroon needs to work hard to get that result. We saw uh, what they did uh, against uh, Gabon in the first game because I thought they came with a plan. And that plan worked well uh, 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 until they get that equalizer. Because first half, they had to sit a bit. Uh, I'm not so sure about the weather as well. They had to sit mm. just to wait for, for Gabon to make uh, mistakes. I remember Gabon are played home. They are the team with pressure. But uh, again, they just went there to enjoy themselves. So, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting tournament uh, uh, to, to watch. So, yeah. Another game again that you're gonna watch against Zimbabwe. I just want to see how Zimbabwe are going to do uh, when it comes to to a physical. Uh, we know Senegal; they've got that physical body. Okay, we've seen what Zimbabwe could do against Algeria, yeah. and yeah. we saw what Senegal managed to do against Tunisia. These are all top sides that Zimbabwe are going to be playing in the group. But take your Zimbabwe hat off now and just be a footballer, somebody who has the wealth of experience of international football that you had for decades. How do you see this result going? Are Senegal going to live up to that favourite tag, or is Zimbabwe going to surprise them? A uh, tough game, very tough game for Zim. Uh, honestly speaking, of course, uh, with the players that we've got, uh, we lack experience. Senegal, they've got experience, 
But I always say to, 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 to people, what matters is on the day. <laughs> what matters is on the day. Are they going to apply themselves? Are they going to fight for each other? I think what is more important is sacrifice. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one for Zim. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a very tough one for Zimbabwe indeed. But it's going to be an enthralling match. You can catch it uh, live on SABC1. Uh, kickoff is at 9 o'clock from uh, half past 8. Ezra Nandoro is going to be live analysing the uh, the game with Simpo, my boy. And uh, I have the joy duty alongside Ezra Nandoro. But that's all we've got time for on the show tonight. Ezra, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us. I'll see you shortly at the television studios. In terms of uh, what's up next now, Lady Malayo, up uh, with the talk shop after the news, so don't go anywhere. Uh, Brad Brown is in tomorrow between 6.30 and 7 o'clock, but from uh, Siobhan Chetty and me, Dwayne DeLocker, have a lovely evening. Cheers. It's 7 o'clock.